0: This is the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast, a podcast for creatives, for those who are beginning to be creative or those who have built a business around their creativity. Here we allow creatives to tell their story about how they got to where they are today, and we give some tips on how to make your creative business better than it was yesterday. Hello, everybody. Did you know that you could support the Pencils and Lipstick podcast and help it keep going into 2021 and beyond? We are over at patreon.com forward slash pencils, underscore lipstick. You can find three different levels over there in which you can help keep the show going. Part of the structure of Patreon is that anyone who helps the creative keep going in their creativity Get sort of these extra bonuses, these sort of thank yous for being a supporter of that artist or show or whatever it is. I have three different levels over on Patreon for the Pencils and Lipstick podcast. And going into 2021, I decided that I was going to take some time to go back and talk to some of the creatives that came on the show last year and get a little bit deeper about how they survived 2020, what their thoughts were, what they think 2021 will be like, and how they think art contributes to all of this stuff that's going on. So those conversations will not be coming out on the podcast, but they are going to be on Patreon um, behind the tiered walls over there. They are going to be trickling out fairly soon, like next week, I'll start dropping the first ones. If you want to get to know the creatives a little bit more and hear a little bit more about their story and how they have handled what's going on in the world, head on over to patreon.com forward slash pencils underscore lipstick and sign up today to help keep the show going. Welcome back to the pencils and lipstick podcast. This week I have with me Michelle Charmaine. She has had quite the experience throughout her life living in several different countries. She has always been a creative at heart as she will get into, but right now she calls herself a multi-passionate artist. I love that title. She also loves to write, she draws, she has amazing paintings on her Instagram. And we really have a full conversation about what it means to be a creative, what our role in this world is as creatives, and how we can help each other out and lift each other up and continue to encourage each other to be creative every single day. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Pencils and Lipstick podcast. Today, I have with me Michelle Charmaine. She is a multi-passionate artist. Um, We are going to get into all her different passions, but first, let's welcome her to the show. Hello, Michelle. How are you doing? Hey, Kat. I'm great. Thanks. How are you? Good, good. You're surviving the Canadian winter? Always. (laughs) (laughs) Thriving is more like it. You know, it's not so bad when you have so many things you want to do. And, you
1: know, there's a lot of stuff we can do indoors as creatives. So I'm totally loving it.
0: Yes, this is true. All you need is a hot cup of whatever your favorite beverage is and, you know, either a pen in pencil or a paper to paint on. I'm, I'm cool. Like give me something. I'll stay inside all day long. <laughs> so, <laughs> sometimes you got to drag me out. <laughs> exactly. Right. I mean, Kat,
1: have you seen those memes of artists and writers before quarantine, during quarantine and after quarantine and all those photos look exactly the same. <laughs> exactly the same. We're like,
0: <laughs> what <laughs> we have to, what we have to go outside. No. Oh, we don't have to go outside. Cool. We're good. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You got to make the most of it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So let's hear a little bit about yourself. I know you have quite the background growing up and of your different passions. So tell us a little bit about Michelle. Oh, wow. I guess I've always been an artist at heart.
1: And um, it started when I was a kid when I first started painting and drawing and that that just came naturally to me. Mm. And that eventually evolved to um evolved into drawing teachers when they weren't looking. (laughs) 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 Because my first ambition was to become a comic book artist because of Archie Comics and Marvel, DC, that sort of thing. But um my tastes eventually evolved into realism around high school. And I dabbled in a bunch of other stuff. But that um but I'm not only limited to um painting and drawing because I love being creative in different areas whether it's writing or making jewelry or it could be anything poetry yes yeah so you,
0: you knew that you had a talent for creativity as a kid then
1: Yeah, I guess so, because a lot of friends, um, other kids in class and their parents and teachers would encourage me. And now looking back, especially during this pandemic, because I had to do a lot of spring cleaning when the first lockdown started (laughs) last year, I unearthed a bunch of art supplies from way back when. Yeah. Okay, call me a sentimental idiot, but when I get a card or something or, you know, even if it's just a charcoal pencil and it came from someone special, like, you know. Close yeah. friend or a teacher, I just hang on to it. I'll yeah. use the pencil until it's like an inch long, but I'll keep it. <laughs> and do you remember who it's from? Yes, I remember who, uh, who it's from. um That's So I remember amazing. who those um, supplies are from. And when I look back now, I realize that these people actually gave me the top quality, like the good stuff, the good paints and the good pencils when I was just a, a kid in elementary school. And I didn't realize that back then because. It was just for to me. It was just all fun in the process of creation, and um, I was just having fun. But looking back now, I see how my friends and my friends' parents and some teachers kind of planted the seeds.
0: Wow! By
1: giving me new materials to play with and experiment with, and I can see how that drove me further to experiment and create as I got older.
0: That's really awesome. I like how you had adults and other people investing in something they saw in you. And maybe it was even subconsciously that they saw it, but they were willing to invest the good stuff. As you say,
1: it's pretty amazing. And I'm really grateful looking back now because you don't realize how much of an impact you might have on a kid, right? Because you might not, you know, if you, if you guys ever part ways, and as the years go by, you might lose touch, right? But there's a ripple effect there. Yeah, that's so cute. And I, I actually got in touch with one of my old friends from elementary. And um, I was like, hey, bro. <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen him in years. And um, I told him, hey, you remember that that watercolor set you, your dad got me from my birthday when we were in second grade? I still have bits of it. And I can see how that encouraged me. It's those little moments of encouragement. Oh, I like And I think more people. Yeah.
0: And I like how you found somebody to say, thank you. Or, you know, I found this. That's, that's pretty awesome. It's a good use of quarantine time.
1: Yeah. I love it. It's all these connections that really matter, especially now in quarantine. Yes.
0: Yes. Because we honestly, life, if anything, life is a little shorter than we wanted to think of it before.
1: That is a really interesting point.
0: (laughs) It's a sad point.
1: (laughs) I guess it's true. But would we really value life? If we didn't know we had a deadline.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And do you think like we kind of were going so fast before quarantine, you know, for better or for worse, we were made to slow down and I hope that it got us all thinking about some things. Yeah. What about you? Like with your writing? and everything. You know, I at first felt like quarantine was just a lot. It was overwhelming because I have three kids that were suddenly home. And I felt like because I thought it was temporary, I thought I needed to make use of the time. Mm -hmm. So I sort of made these journals, journaling prompts and all these things and really created a lot of content for my audience for a little while. And then summer came and it was, I don't know about you, but here I I had to move to D.C. And so I just felt like in this time warp, like there wasn't really anything open. You couldn't really go on vacation. But some things were open, like some restaurants. And so, but I was just like, they have a house. I don't know. I felt like personally in a time warp. And then this fall, I just, I started slowing down, like hitting the brakes and thinking, okay, I need to take some time to think and reevaluate and not just write for other people, but write for myself. I think that's where I got by the end of the year. Oh, interesting. That <laughs> I need to write, I needed to create things that made kind of centered me, you know, more for myself. Not that it couldn't be consumed by other people, but that the the idea was to to sort of my own mental health and my own creativity needs, you know. And wow. Did you find yourself doing anything for yourself this uh in twenty twenty? Oh, totally.
1: I mean, I think this pandemic has revealed a greater need for the arts, especially during these times. Mm -hmm. And I think more and more people are starting to realize that um, the arts have the power to heal. Yeah. Yes. Whether it's music or if you're consuming visual art your environment shapes you and your moods. So what you're consuming, whether it's music or anything that you take in through your eyes and the colors that surround you, that all impacts your mental health and your emotional well being. And I think people
0: should be more aware of that. I think more people are becoming aware of that, especially now. Yeah, I hope so. I, I hope people are are turning to not only consuming art that other people are creating for them but but maybe becoming curious themselves about what their creativity could be what they could dabble in if they turned off social media and the television i'm always really surprised at how much creativity our ancestors participated in because i think because they didn't have a television aha <laughs> uh-huh. true you know they would they would memorize poems You know, they'd be tilling the field and making up their own poems or their own music or, you know, making it like the women, especially that they just thought it. I guess some of them thought of it as just their job, but they were so creative. They had to make so many things, you know, even my grandmother had to make most of the clothes her kids wore or, you know, would refinish furniture Mm -hmm. while listening to music, you know, would go out and look for different art pieces because she couldn't afford you know, art gallery stuff. So she would go to the estate sales, you know, things like that, like finding beautiful things. You know, what's really
1: interesting um, during the pandemic last year, there was actually a shortage of paint in some of the stores, in some of the art stores. Wow. And some of the artists I knew had trouble like sourcing the exact colors they wanted cuz <laughs> a lot of the paint tubes were out of stock and i think it's because people were stuck at home and they were homeschooling or they finally had the time to sit down and start a pet project and explore their creativity so they started awesome. buying these art supplies so artists were actually <laughs> running out of supplies cuz not only did we weren't i mean we uh, we weren't competing with fellow artists there were also kids and other people who are starting to yeah. finally dabble in painting and drawing which is great which is absolutely which is absolutely fantastic it's because we got to keep these art stores in business right yes it's perfect cuz we need them and on top of that i think years from now imagine how many new gems we'll have born from the pandemic when people finally unlocked their creativity and found out they were in fact artists Yes.
0: Yes. Or, you know, they can even attribute it, even if they don't make a business out of it, attribute it to, you know, getting through the pandemic in more or less good mental health, you know, because they decided to go out and take the time and invest in themselves, buy some paint. Exactly. I think that's awesome.
1: It's not, it doesn't even have to be business. I mean, there's this false conception of art having to be about business all the time right? Yeah. Uh, There are a lot of people who are curious about the arts or who wanted to go to art school, but didn't because they were discouraged and they were taught that you can't survive in the arts. You can't make money out of the arts. But who who said that you had to make money off your art, unless you're an artist, in which case, if you are a creative professional, then by all means, you got to do it because it's your bread and butter. (laughs) (laughs) But when it comes to other people who just love art, I think, they got to get over the, the hurdle of thinking that they can't do it because a yes. lot of people don't realize that they can be, be creative too.
0: Exactly.
1: I love that. They just have oh. to unlock that. I taught a workshop um, the year before our last year. So we got 30, 30 something people in that painting workshop and it was a simple painting workshop. So I, I took them to, through the process of painting a waterfall and another time I them through the process of painting still life, and at the end of the day, at the, end, at the end of the workshop, they said, Hey, you know, you like, we can't believe that this actually broke a barrier for us. Wow, because no. we never thought that we could paint. Well, technically, people can, they just gotta overcome this mental block of thinking that they're not artists. Because, what is an yeah. artist, really? What is an art? How would you define an artist? That's a good question.
0: What is an artist? Yeah, I guess I would just say it anybody who self identifies as as dabbling in creatives. But you're right, society-wise, in like verbally, we wouldn't take on the uh, the label of artist. I guess if we're not making money.
1: Mm-hmm. Or it's not even about making money. I think a lot of people stumble when when they come to the hurdle of overcoming the thought that they'll never be good at it. Because who said you got to be good at it? And what is good at? What what is defined as good enough anyway? Art is so subjective. What if the only re, What if the only thing you accomplish by creating a piece of art is you feel better, you feel happy, you finally get a moment of relaxation in a busy day, and uh, you finally get a break from everything to practice some mindfulness and uh, meditate for a few
0: for a few hours. Right, like a lot of uh, artists aren't considered good until they're dead. First of all, ouch, <laughs> ouch. <laughs> you know, co- like consider a lot of the people that we admire now, but it's true. What is good in, in any sort of art form, there's always going to be people who claim that, that you're not good. Even when you are, even if you sell something for, you know, hundreds, thousands, there's always somebody who doesn't like it. I've been to museums where I'm like, I don't like that. Yeah. You know, and obviously, what do I know? They sold it to a museum. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you got those head-scratching
1: moments, but hey, there was an art to that, right? Because right. It's the art of marketing because they got into the museum in the first place. <laughs> That's another thing to talk about with artists. <laughs> or maybe we just have completely different tastes and we can all agree to disagree when it comes to that.
0: True. I mean, I don't mean Stephen King books, but obviously he's... an author, a writer, you know, and well, well acclaimed. So, you know, who am I to say, (laughs) like, I'm not going to take away anybody's Stephen King books. I just don't particularly like horror, you know, but obviously that doesn't mean that he's not a writer, but you, you mentioned something before about art school. Did you go to art school? Actually, I didn't, I didn't go to art school. I think, well, I think most people don't study their art, but I always find it fascinating the choices that we, we make. Did you go to art school? Did you not go because of other influences or because you chose by yourself not to go? Okay. It's it's kind of funny because
1: everyone encouraged me to go to art school. But okay. I kind of rebelled in a way and decided not to go because everyone was telling me to go <laughs> to art school. Okay, um, when I was in the UAE, I went to a very strict science-based high school where we were taught that the sciences were the most important thing and arts were secondary okay so it was a really rigid system where I guess you know when you're a teenager you're going through that you kind of feel like maybe your skills are not good enough because if the only thing you're good at is art and the creative the creative subjects then maybe well I felt um I felt like I I wanted to prove that I can do something else. I can do something more. So, okay. um, there was a really interesting discussion I had with some of my friends um, who actually created a WhatsApp reunion a few days ago. So, they tracked down all the peeps from that school. And oh, a lot fine. of them were actually secretly frustrated artists. Really? But they stuck with the science. I stuck with the sciences, and I only found out just a few days ago. I was like, "You were a closet artist!" And then, yeah, so it was funny the kind of discussions we were having. And now that we look at it, we we realize that a lot of the misfits who didn't fit in the science system ended up in a lot of creative fields like film, fine arts, fashion, and all that. So, I guess this is a perfect example of the saying: "If you." tell a fish uh, that the measure of its intelligence is its ability to climb a tree, then it'll live its life thinking it's stupid. Right. Now looking back at this, we realized, Hey, you know, um, as now that we're older and hopefully wiser (laughs) as we like to think, (laughs) it's not that uh, there are different learning styles and, um, you, we we tend to adapt depending on our depending on our natural skill set right so thank goodness not everyone is an artist because we need accountants and people who actually love to do the math which is perfect right but when um, when I look at it now I was avoiding it for so long where I decided to prove to myself that I can do something more technical so I went into uh, I got into um, new media new media design and more tech stuff. But at the end of the day, I ended up falling back into fine arts, which was my first love. And I'm looking back at this thinking, why didn't I start (laughs) sooner? But yeah, it's like, you know, societal pressure has, you know, it's a really interesting thing, you know, if you look at it that way. But um, I think things worked out the way they were supposed to be because I was able to use a lot of the skills that I learned from zigging when I finally desi- decided to zag.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. How is art perceived in the UAE? Was it just the area, the high school that you went to that was more science and more tech or was that kind of what they were doing during your generation, trying to get people to be more science-focused, or is it a societal thing, at least at that point?
1: I, I don't really know about outside high school because we didn't really have a lot of time to- Spanish school because we were so busy studying for a lot of math and Mm. science exams. I would, I I can speak for the system that um, we were trained in, but as for art in the UAE now, it's booming. It's actually booming and it's absolutely fantastic. And I love seeing how it has grown so much where they actually open museums and more art galleries and they have a thriving arts community there. Maybe I wasn't aware of it at that time because I was a kid but i mm-hmm. love what they're doing right now and That's i still find a lot of inspiration from from the time i spent there and i just love
0: it yeah yeah i guess it is hard to look back when we're in high school because we are kind of in a bubble exactly. every single time <laughs> we know we know what's around us and i but i do wonder like society i don't know if we do arts right i don't know that we've ever really gotten to the point of arts being with the right amount, because it always does seem to be the thing, at least here in the States. I don't know about Canada where it gets cut first. It's kind of an afterthought. Yeah. There's one or two artsy kids, but it's not taught as like, Hey, creativity is a beautiful thing, a much better way to spend your time than television. It's good for your health, your mental health, your emotional health. And there are so many different creativities that you can do instead. It's just like, an afterthought it's like oh the kids that like music or the kids that like to paint you know nobody really as far as I can tell nobody really pushes it it always gets cut from the budget if if they need to cut something which is always unfortunate to me
1: well we do have a lot of arts programs here for kids and especially at at risk youth which is which is really great to great to see here in Canada Definitely a lot more programs here than we had when I was growing up in BYU. So there's a stark contrast to that. I don't know right now. I'm I'm pretty sure it's grown over the years and it's really exciting and I want to go back at some point because a lot of friends there were into that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But as for art, um, as for the arts and encouraging kids to embrace their artistic side, I think people have to find their confidence to create even mm-hmm. if they didn't get the opportunity when they were kids. Yeah. If you're, if you're still alive, the opportunity is still there. You haven't reached the dead end of being dead yet. So that means you can still create. And we need to let go of the need for things to be perfect. And that is that is really hard for many people because I guess that, that also stems from being detail-oriented or owns own insecurities or how our work will be perceived. But at the end of the day, there is no such thing as perfection because humans have different tastes. So not everyone mm. will resonate with your work. So let's just throw that fear out of the window because the moment you accept the fact that not everyone will love your work, you feel a sense of freedom because you can just do whatever you want and the right people will like your work. That's true. The point is just yes. to create.
0: Yes. I, I tell writers this all the time. Like there are almost 8 billion people in the world. Some people will like your book and some will not, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, and it's funny because numbers are a funny thing. You can say, well, 6 billion people don't like my book, or you can say 2 billion people like my book. Exactly. Like, it really does. Just- <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of
1: people either. And how many people can't even read the language that your book is in? So it's not a matter of them not liking what you wrote, it's just that it's not accessible to them. True.
0: That's another point. Yes. And I think that goes for any art that were that we're pursuing. So when did you start really pursuing art as something that you were going to put forward as part of your identity and part of your work? Oh, wow. Um
1: so it started when okay, so Okay, there were two stages there. When I was in the UAE, I first got published as a, as a comic strip artist when I was a kid, because oh, that wow. was my first goal. I just wanted to draw comic strips. Mm-hmm. And somewhere in uh, around high school, I decided to just experiment with real, realism. And I was like, hey, mm-hmm. this isn't so bad. It's actually kind of fun. So that changed my direction. And then I lost interest in drawing comic strips. And after moving to Canada, I decided to exhibit some of my work. When um, wow, this brings back a lot of memories because I remember working a telemarketer job down in downtown Toronto. And after work one day, I happened to just take a walk around the neighborhood just to see what was there, and I found a coffee shop that was kind of that was also a, an art gallery run by this wonderful old lady who um, who just. It was just fantastic at it and she was very encouraging and because I didn't go to art school I couldn't get into the other galleries mm-hmm. um, because the first thing that they would ask is so where did you where did you study art um give us your artist's resume and what that usually meant was hey we want to know what art school you graduated from. and mm-hmm. if you okay. didn't have that they wouldn't even look at you I don't know about now but that's what happened then so I hadn't even, you know, um, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't get a chance with those guys, but this lady was running this small gallery and was getting a lot of traffic. And I saw her, you know, and we had a nice chat and then I told her I was an artist too. And I showed her some of my work cause I carried um, little photos of my work and I just uh, told her, Hey, this is what I do. And uh, these are the pieces I create. And she said, Hey, do you want to participate in an art show? So she was the one who actually gave me that push and that encouragement. Cause she was so open and she was understanding and very welcoming. So I got exi- I got some of my first art shows in her gallery and she represented me and after that I got into some other galleries as well and then based on that I was able to build up a resume of exhibiting in different galleries and that's what I that's
0: what pretty much became my launch pad. Mm. Yeah, that's so interesting. So was this a desire you wanted to be an artist, you wanted to be in the galleries, but you just were was it kind of did it feel like a shot in the dark like I or were you really trying to pursue some way to get in
1: would have been happy either way, but I guess I also wanted to prove to myself that I could get it. Um, but at that time, it was because I didn't have any formal training that right. I wasn't even I wasn't being considered for some of the galleries. So, if there's one lesson I learned from that experience, it's that you don't necessarily have to believe that you should have all the qualifications on paper. Or you shouldn't have, you don't have to restrict yourself or kind of like pull yourself out of the game just because you think you're not qualified. You gotta give it a shot and see if your work speaks to somebody. And all you need is one person or a few people, and
0: you can work on that, and then you'll find your tribe after that. Yes, I like that. I think there are times in your life where you just, something pushes you to show your work to somebody and when you, you know, a couple of years later, you, when you can pinpoint that moment and you're like, oh, look at that, that actually catapult, maybe it doesn't catapult you right away, mm-hmm. but I love looking back and seeing those stepping stones and thinking like, oh, what if I hadn't done that? That would, you
1: exactly. know, maybe I would have found
0: another route, route through it, but you know, like, oh, okay. People really believing in you is, is a big thing. It really was. It really was. And you know
1: what, although, you know, I, I didn't really like, working as a telemarketer at that point. Imagine what would have happened had I not had that job in, in that part of the city. I never would have gone for a walk and found that gallery. I never would have met that lady and I never would have been able to do those shows.
0: So true. Good point. Good point. Yeah, tele- I've done telemarketing. Wasn't my favorite, mm-hmm. but but I, I, that's a good point too, is looking back and thinking of all the little things that you didn't think added to your life, it, they really do. Yeah, everything in our past has has helped in some way to get us to where we are. Exactly, because nothing really lasts, right?
1: So whether it's good or bad, nothing really lasts. So you've got to you got to make the most of the situation you're in. And I, I've yeah. seen so many things that, looking back um, at that point and at, at those periods in time, I thought that was just I thought I was in a terrible situation, and I just didn't like the spot I was in but when i look at the thread of what happened after that as a result of being in those spots and um, seeing how things unfolded and the connections i made in those in, in those uh, places in time i see how things unfolded the way they were supposed to be because you don't see yeah. that now right i guess if i guess if you look at it this way i mean the way i the way i understand it now is at any given moment in time in my life my vision my ability to see forward and look as far as i want to in the future is still limited i'm not god right. but god can see everything else right so you don't know what's beyond what you can see at this point in time but eventually things unfold and then you realize
0: the design and how everything happens yes yes i think it's a really good exercise to always go back every once in a while and Think about what got you there, and even allowing the acceptance of some of the uncomfortable or even bad things, and how they can be influenced for used for the good. You know, uh-huh. I think we have to be open to accepting that. Exactly. So, you paint. I can see a lot of your paintings on Instagram. But what are your other passions? Because you are a multi passionate artist. I love writing. Um, I. I especially
1: love interviewing other creative people and learning from their journeys. Those are my favorite stories because it's really interesting to see how people who are in the top, uh, who are in the top food chain, and they're started from basically nothing and um, built their way to the top. You know, it's better to learn from other people's lessons and mistakes than just to go through it yourself. So it's always interesting to pick up bits of wisdom here and there. And seeing how they were able to make it is inspiring because it tells you and other people that if they were ma- able to make it despite all odds, so can you. And why not? Right, right, right. Why not? I like and that. And if we're all uh, humans, And if you look at any achievement by any human in history, it's, you know, it it doesn't matter who it is. A human achieved it. And hey, if you're human, why not
0: you too? True. True. So just one question, technical question for painting. Mm -hmm. Realism isn't what you do all the time, right? Or is this called realism? Um, Not always. Is realism? Not always. So realism is like, it looks more like a, photograph? Is yes. that kind of the definition? Okay. Yeah. Because you have some gorgeous, well, I don't know what, what the genre is called, but I would say more fantasy because I'm a writer. That's, so that's yeah, pretty much,
1: pretty it. much. Fan, a lot of my pieces are inspired by fantasy, mythology, um, ancient history, and symbolism, and all of that. Actually, I used to be into realism, but then again, I got into this mode where I became uh, too much of a perfectionist, and I had to loosen up my style. So I had mm-hmm. to force myself to try to be a little more adventurous and loosen my strokes and try abstracts. Because when you get into that space where you feel like every stroke has to be perfect and everything has to be technically okay, then sometimes that can hinder you. Mm-hmm. I find that can hinder you, whether you're an artist or a writer, right? Because you don't edit mm-hmm. while right. you're writing. You write the shitty first draft, and then you start your proofreading and editing of several drafts right I guess so you have to learn to let go yeah or just
0: write if you get into over editing while you're Mm -hmm. writing you should really take a break yes exactly these are some I love that your use of color and then you have a couple black and whites but what is it about color that that makes you want to use it and express your your visions with it when it comes to color, it's more
1: intuitive for me. Um, sometimes it's completely planned in terms of symbolism, and sometimes I just let things flow. Um, it's it's in a way a type. It's in a way for me to uh, kind of um, meditation in motion. Where mm-hmm. if I ever feel like I have to clear my thoughts or just um, clear my clear my head, I just have to do a brain dump, and I do it with color. It's kind of analogous to just writing whatever you want to write and all these random ideas in a notebook for future use if you want to develop the stories later. But this time, it's just me dumping all these colors on a canvas just to get these feelings or thoughts out in abstract form and colors. And I find that colors can also affect your mood. So you know how a lot of artists tend to paint really dark really dark paintings or really dark drawings and uh, all that type of art when they're depressed or they're down right especially when when you look back in art history you can see some really dreary paintings right while they might represent what someone felt at that point in time i personally don't agree with doing it because uh, okay this is just me i'm not speaking uh, i'm not speaking for other people but the way i see it is if you're going through a difficult time and you want to lift your spirits you don't want to have a physical um representation of what is happening at that point in time for you to remember years later because you kind of mm-hmm. have something to remind you of those darker times so the way i see it is if you're in um if you're in a bad space a bad place and you just need to find your joy again color therapy is one of the best things you can use to lift your spirits because when you see what you're painting and when you see all these bright colors or whatever colors bring you joy and you finish that painting and then you put it up on a wall and see it every day then that is just a reminder of things or thoughts or emotions that bring you joy. And I think we should focus more on that because we should surround ourselves with things that lift us up rather than things that pull us down.
0: Yeah, I really I really like that because I, I do think it is easier to remember <laughs> the bad times. You almost don't need a exactly. reminder for them <laughs> on your wall. Um, but it, I think you hit the nail on the head, though, too. Like you have to want to not be sucked into that. And I do think artists, for some reason, we have this stigma of you make great art when you're very serious or which is true, rest. almost. Mm-hmm. It, it can be, but it can be really exactly bad, like you said, you know. And, and like, and we do have a a need in society to be lifted up, and I think even artists have a role in that. In like, even even your idea of like getting out your your colors when you feel down, and being like, listen it can happen. Like you can take out colors when you feel depressed and you can literally lift yourself out of that mood. Even if it's one degree, maybe it's not 75 degrees, but it's possible. And to remember, look, look how bad things were going when I painted that picture, but I was able to choose a small bit of joy.
1: Your canvas, your
0: choice. A lot.
1: And if you hold, yeah, we just... if you hold the brush, you tell the story. Same with you being a writer. If you hold mm. the pen, you're writing the story. So it's in, yeah, exactly. what story do you want to tell? So maybe the previous chapter didn't mm. go the way you wanted, or maybe what you wrote yesterday is not up to par today. But there's always the next chapter, and it's up to you to write that. But by picking up the pen or picking up your brush. Like painting a brighter story.
0: Yes. And and I kind of think like in the literary world, when I was younger, I wanted, I, I guess because we read all these classics and a lot of the classics are really depressing because life can be really hard <laughs> and our ancestors went through some really crazy stuff and hard times. And so I guess I thought that to be a, a really well-rounded literary person, not just a writer, you know, I wanted to be literary, whatever that meant to my twenty-year-old mind, and that meant to be, you know, accepted in the New Yorker and all of these kind of sort of ivory tower. Uh-huh. You know, we're just going to sit around talking about deep things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know this kind of this vague vision I had of myself, and I I didn't see writing about happy things or joyful things or good parts of life as being very Mm -hmm. literary. And I think a, from examples of, you know, what I had read up to that point and learning throughout my, you know, the next 20 years of, okay, how can I make a good ending? Even like my historical fiction, it's not the prettiest setting, you know, in 1832, and we're talking about whether England should get rid of, you know, slavery in their colonies, and so it, it can be a that's a pretty dark setting. But how can I make that just like part of life and part of the the joy of life? And I think joy of life isn't like you're jumping up and down all the time, but it is taking the the moments. You know, finding love seeing some happy children taking a walk on you know being in nature. I don't know all these little things so' I've, I've kind of contemplated in the last few years how can you write joyful things, happy things without being sort of not deep mm-hmm. you know <laughs> maybe I'm not making sense. Just having good stories that have depth to them with characters that have depth but but you don't have to be melodramatic or, it doesn't have to deal with dying. <laughs> <laughs> good question. That is a good question. It's called
1: maturity. I, I guess, <laughs> right? Because now you're not looking at external factors to validate your work.
0: True. true so at true. what
1: point just, as a writer, at what point did you feel fulfilled in, on, on your journey as a writer when you finally felt, okay, I'm going somewhere and I'm happy?
0: I think part of that for me was just the choice to actually pursue it. I mean, I am... I am super blessed that my husband has a job and primarily I am home with the kids. And so to be idle, like even just, I'm not happy. I have to be doing something. And so when the kids were babies, I did a lot of scrapbooking and, you know, creativity that way, paperwork. But then it got to the point where I thought, you know, I'm really created to write. I have stories in my Mm -hmm. head. I should probably switch over to trying my hand at that and seeing if I can, if I can actually, you know, get some of my books published, but this is, you know, in the 2000s when book publishing was really changing, but I think it, some of it's just determination of I'm, I'm really, it's time that I try this and see if I like it. The first book took a long time. Well, okay. This first book I wrote when I was 20, which that will never see the light of day again. (laughs) So the second book took a a long time. The the third, so, you know, I say first, second. The one that I actually published, the first I published took like three years to write and then one year to really get edited well, which I thought was a judgment on my ability to write. So I had to go through a whole personal, you know, Um, Thing, (laughs) (laughs) learning to grow as a writer and a person. Second one did not take long at all; like it just sort of flew through me. And then this third one that I'm finishing, I'm very proud of it, but it has taken a lot more work. I wrote it in 2006, and so I pulled it back out and re-redid it. And that's quite a different way of doing things, quite a different journey. But it's been enjoyable, and now I look forward to the next one. You know what am I going to write about next? What am, what story should I do? So there's all these ups and downs in it. That is true <laughs> in the the pursuit of it. So are you when you write first? What language do you write in primarily? Is it English? English. Okay. And what do you write when you when you sit down? Sometimes I write poetry, and sometimes I write
1: snippets of books I want to write but haven't been completely shaped up yet. So I love that. Are there are there a bunch of stuff that I've written that will never see the light of day, like what you said with your first book.
0: And like actually, you know, yep.
1: I love how you brought that up because what when you think of creativity, and when people in general think of writers or publishing and the arts and what they see in museums, they only see a select few pieces of what actually made it out there, but they don't see the fugly paintings Mm -hmm. in the closet and the stuff hidden away in the drawer. So it's kind of like, it's akin to, gosh, now I'm going to make a social media reference. It's kind of, it's akin to teenagers looking at airbrush noise in a way, Mm. because there's this sense of effortless perfection that they see out there that they think, is unattainable but they don't see all the work that went behind the scenes so True. Th- that's another thing that seems to be hindering some people from exploring their creativity and their artistic sides because they feel like they have to measure up to something when they don't really have to and the whole point is just to create in the same way yeah mm-hmm. you've written yes. your her first book for the sake of growing as a writer and just to get those ideas down and in the same way that I and many other artists have painted paintings that people will never see and it's it's all part of the process because there's no such thing as perfection and even what is out there is not technically perfect and it'll never be perfect it's just abandoned and we just got sick of it and decided okay deadline's done (laughs) I got to move on to the next painting. So here we go. Or I got to move on to the next book. This is it. I'm done. Boo.
0: <laughs> yeah. You got to choose to be done with something sometimes, but it's so true. I I think, I think for some reason, for some of us, it's the time and the effort you put into something that it, you feel like it should be worthy of going out into the world. And you just have to accept that There is some creativity, some books you write, some paintings you paint that are really just meant for getting you to the next point. And they're not meant for public consumption. Mm -hmm. I think that's a hard pill to swallow in the beginning. But if you can Uh accept that, it's like, oh, well, okay, fine. That's okay. And you just move forward. It's liberating. Liberating when you know
1: that you don't have to always be like, You don't always have to put out your best work out there because sometimes you're, you know, your best. Okay. The idea of your best work being the best is just your benchmark in that particular moment in time, in that particular stage of your life. Do you you find that when you write something, let's say you've got a book done um, and then years later, you're like, Hmm, you know, I really could have done much better. I'm going to do much better in my next book. Right. So it's like, this um, the standard has been raised, yes, with every piece you create, so you're only as good as your last piece, but you're always striving to go to the next level, so this idea of uh, attaining perfection at the first shot is just not
0: yeah it's it's nonsense to obtain mm-hmm. perfection. I do think we all have to go through that journey and like you have to get to the point where you're like, this is the best that I can do right now. This is as far as I know my craft at the moment. And in order to be proud of it, even when you're 80 and say, you know, that's where I was there. That's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, I always want to have my, my T's crossed and my I's dotted, but (laughs) you know, sometimes we make mistakes. I have done so. (laughs) But as far as the craft goes, you know, I think you're right. It is where we are in the moment. But if you don't do it in the moment, then you'll never get to the next stage. And that's what I I try to encourage the writers that I talk to. It's like, you have to write that first book. It's not going to be, you know, maybe it won't be your bestseller. And I actually think if you do get a, you know, a crazy bestseller your first time, that's a lot of pressure for your next book. <laughs> it's better be really good. That is good. true. You almost want to just have the, the growth steps looking back. I say that looking back as a 20 year old, I wanted to have uh-huh. the the bestseller right away, you know, but I, I see some, some authors that I grew up with. Um, I didn't know them personally, but I would read their book and then the next one would come out and you'd just be like, well, this isn't what I expected. And I don't know, maybe it was the pressure. Maybe it was the time limit that they had, What whatever it was um it just didn't really live up to that maybe it was because the first one had so much hype who knows <laughs> i should go back and look
1: but yeah, i have read some books like that too where the first book in the series was fantastic and i was i had really high hopes for the next one and it kind of fell short and i'm like i know well okay you know if you read the if you read the sequel you wouldn't have appreciated the writer's creativity mm had you not seen the first one. So, you know, that. I guess that also puts things into perspective where, you know, and when we look at someone's work and we're just looking at one piece, it doesn't necessarily speak for the writer or the artist skills as a whole, because that just, that could have just been an off piece. Sure. Or maybe they weren't, um, you know, I, I don't know what state they were in when they created that, but maybe they haven't fully mastered their craft at that point in time. You never
0: know. There are so many different factors, true, true. I try to be very um polite and I try not to rate any book that I dislike because I don't want to get that karma on me first of all, but but in the <laughs> same vein, I know like a, maybe it just wasn't for me, but B, maybe it was just not where the author wanted to be at the point. I don't know. Who knows? Like you said, there's so many mm-hmm. so many things that could affect that. But as we're in 2021 and we're talking about a lot of creativity and I, it sounds to me like you are very passionate about people finding a creativity to do just for themselves, for their mental health, for their their life health to find things Absolutely. That, what do you think we can do as Creatives to encourage people who think they aren't creative, who who have that stigma that you're talking about, or like I don't know how to do it, um, where they just sort of need to um, bring it, you know, all crashing down like you did in the workshop to to show people that they can paint and they they don't have to paint like anyone else. They can just paint like themselves and for themselves.
1: Actually, Kat, if there's something I want people to know, it's just that a lot of them are creative but they might not necessarily realize it. Mm. And by creative, I don't mean that their creativity or their skills or their talent should be restricted to fine arts or writing or music or anything like that. I believe that everyone is gifted and we're all created with our own gifts that God gave us. And it could be anything. Somebody could be a wonderful cook and, could just bring warmth and love to a table at a family mm. gathering.
0: Yes.
1: Somebody could be a wonderful organizer when it comes to putting together fundraising events or projects or things that bring people together. Someone could be wonderful at, you know, some people are just wonderful at organizing or cleaning up. Hallelujah, and decorating a place. <laughs> Yeah. Don't we all, you know, that, no, that is a gift. Yes, it is. (laughs) Right. Especially for the clutter brains, like, uh, like many creative types. Yes, And we all have our own different skill sets and our own different ways of coming up with creative solutions to everyday problems. And people just have to find their skills because I believe that that is how. That, that's what we were created to be so that we will all need each other and all mm. contribute mm. to the greater good by pooling our gifts together. I love that. So mm. that's talking about creativity and gifts outside of the art scene. As for the arts, when it comes to if we're going to talk about traditional arts and painting and all that and creativity and the cliche sense of creativity, The first thing I would say is let go of your expectations if you're new to this, Mm. because it's like riding a bike or learning how to read. You won't be great at it the first time. There's a learning curve. Yeah. And you just have to let yourself be present in the moment and just enjoy the process. Your first painting is not necessarily going to be a masterpiece, nor does it have to be. And even if you're a professional artist, not every painting you create is going to be a masterpiece. And we just have to accept that. Um, no, remember to put things into into perspective because a lot of the things you see out there are just, are just the selected pieces that made it through the artist's studio. There are a lot of ugly paintings that did not make it out (laughs) of the studio. Okay. Like there are a lot of rewrites when it comes to writing a book and you don't see those old drafts. You only see the final project. True. So, um, let that intimidate you. And when it comes to finding the confidence to create, I uh, I think people should just go for it and find their find. find, um, Try to remember the time when they were inspired when they were kids, because when we were kids, we didn't feel like we had to live up to any expectations when it came to creating drawing or you know, coloring in our coloring books. It was just a sense of curiosity and wonder and awe when it came to looking at the world around us and processing all the things that we were taking in as we were observing people and the things around us. So remember the last time you were inspired and try to to remember what you were doing at that time. Yes. What kind of media were you consuming? What were you listening to? Was, were there particular songs that you were listening to at that time that sparked that creativity when you wrote that poem, when you tried to paint something or draw something? And who were you with at that time? Who were your friends? Hmm. Because I find that hmm. as artists, we have to be protective of our time and our, our energy when it comes to preserving our emotional and mental health. Right. And
0: right. a
1: lot of that has to do with the environment and the things and the people who we keep around us. Yes. So eliminate, eliminate the unnecessary, eliminate the things and the people who drag you down, and who just um, kind of drag down your mood, and surround yourself with people who encourage you and who are inspiring, and uh, who are just basically supportive and bring out the best in you. And when it comes to, when it comes to creating something, just keep creating because if you think about it, it's a numbers game. I mean, look at Picasso. Yes. When he died, he had a lot of stuff. The guy had a ton of stuff. How how much of that stuff actually got into the got into the galleries and the museums? I'm pretty sure, if, you know, when the guy died, he wasn't he was kind of hoping that maybe some of us wouldn't see some of his failed attempts, right? Probably. <laughs> you never know, right? But you can see it's a it's a numbers game. It's a numbers game.
0: Absolutely. So just keep it going at it. Oh, I love that. I've had such a good time talking with you. I'm going to have to have you back on because I'm learning so much from you. Thank you so much for coming oh, and thanks, sharing Kat. with us.
1: Thank you so much, Kat. I love talking to you too. And it's always a pleasure talking to authors and learning more about the journey and the discipline it took you to publish your books. Cause that is a huge step. My goodness, the patience it took and just the dedication. So I'm hoping to get there someday. You and will. You're an inspiration.
0: You will. If I can learn to draw, you can learn to to publish. So we'll help. Okay, you we're out. gonna have to get together at some point. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Thank you again. Thanks, Kat. Hey, you're still listening. If you wanna find out more about me, you can head over to catcaldwell.com. I have my story over there, my books, my interactive journals, my one-on-one coaching information, and information on my creative writing community membership group. If you're looking to write a book or you are a writer and you just want to find out more about how to write, how to publish, how to format, how to market, and all the things that go into being an author these days, check out the membership group. There is a 14 free day trial that you can try it out. Get into the masterminds, find out all the goodies that we are talking about in the group. I would love to see you there.